Well, US equity markets were doing well at the end of the week and in Europe too, but you have to wonder why, particularly in Europe where inflation in Germany was higher than expected, much higher, and Russia is now blocking exports of grain from Ukraine again. Even though the US markets are a little more risk on, the Aussie dollar didn't have a good end to the week, so we'll look at why that is. Perhaps it's because of concerns over China, the one place where shares went down at the end of the week. And what about the week ahead? We've got the RBA, the Bank of England and the Fed. Do we have a clear idea what each of them will do this week? It's Monday, the 31st of October, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, yes, there were big gains in U.S. equities on Friday. 2.7% added to the Dow, 25 to the S&P 500, 2.9% for the Nasdaq. But that follows, of course, a couple of days of losses last week. All up, the Nasdaq was up 2.2% over the entire week. But look over the month, the S&P is up 9%. Uh, the size of those gains was largely confined to the U.S. on Friday. But in Europe, we did see the DAX up just a quarter percent. But they hadn't experienced the midweek losses that we saw in the US. So the DAX actually finished the week up 4%, so better than the US. The ASX 200 was bucking the trend to some extent. It fell 0.9% on Friday and was up just 1.6% over the week. And there continues to be a lot of bond movement. 10-year treasuries up to almost 4.02%, having started the week close to 4.2%. Then they dipped down, then they were back up a little on Friday. In Germany, France and much of Europe, 10-year yields were up 14 or 15 basis points on Friday. Uh, But the same story there. They were down over the week. German 10-year bonds started the week, edging towards 2.4% and finished at 2.1%. And there was a small move up in the US dollar on Friday, but it was down 1.2% over the week on the DXY index. Quite a fall in the yen on Friday, down 0.9% against the US dollar. The Aussie also down by 0.6%, even though we've seen equities rising in the US. Uh, Down to 64.11 US cents now for the Aussie dollar. The pound managed to gain... Uh, 0.4%. The euro was pretty flat, but over the week, the euro did manage to climb about 1%. So in short, bond markets and currency markets were as choppy as hell last week. If in hell, of course, they trade in uh, bonds and currencies, which I should imagine they would, wouldn't you? Uh, but a man who is uh, goodness personified, he's not going down there. Uh, Nabs Rodrigo Catrill uh, is with me. So, uh, Rodrigo, I mean, this is going to be a really busy week, isn't it, uh, with central banks meeting? But let's have a look at what happened on Friday. First of all, dissect that and see if we can make some sense, because the US share market is being driven upwards. I mean, we know we had good earnings and that was part of it. Uh, but will it last? I mean, so Some tech companies have had less than optimistic outlooks. And, you know, we look at the data, there's no sign that inflation is easing, really. Yeah. Morning, Phil. Yeah, I suppose there's a couple of takeaways from the equity market uh, in in the U.S. in particular is that that big, if you like, underwhelming reporting coming from some of the big tech companies has not been enough to derail the sentiment. And, And as you say, October is shaping up to be a very, very solid month for equity investors, um, we also note that, you know, so far we had around 71% of the S&P companies reporting their earnings and uh, it's, you know, 71% of them have beat expectations, which is, you know, just slightly below that five-year average of around 77%. So it hasn't been a complete, um, um, you know, train wreck, if you like, in terms of the reporting seasons. In, in fact, it's, it's shown signs of resilience. and. Uh, when we look at the banks reporting, uh, that theme was quite evident when they showed the statistics of how the consumers are still looking in good shape uh, in terms of the, um, 
you know, the savings and spending patterns. And, and that's clearly evident in, in terms of um, that data that we got coming out from, from the US uh, on Friday, that uh, to some extent, the, the interesting thing is that uh, US consumers seem to be spending more than what they're earning. Well, it shows that they're not moderating their behavior. It shows that inflation, you know, they're not going, oh, gosh, prices are getting crazy here. We've got to spend less. So you're right. So personal spending month on month for September, 0.6% versus, you know, it was expected it's going to be about 0.4%, which is how much income rose by. So, yeah, I mean, it's got to come from somewhere. It's got to come from savings, obviously. Or credit cards, yeah. Or credit That's cards, right. yeah. Yeah, uh, which, you know, it has been reported that has been increasing as well in terms of that expenditure. So, but overall, the, the U.S. consumer, notwithstanding this aggressive tightening that has come from the Fed, is still actually doing quite okay. Um, and, and certainly, you know, the other big theme of, of the week has been sort of these expectations of, um, well, the word pivot has been used a lot, but at least of a slowdown in terms of the terms of hiking coming from, you know, the Bank of Canada, arguably the RBA had done that previously, uh, and then, of course, the interpretation of the ECB as well, that they, they were looking to maybe ease up uh, in terms of their, their approach to, to tightening as well. So that's all contributed to the positive vibes, if you like, uh, during right. the week. But is it going to change? Because we'll look at the European inflation numbers because we get the full euro area inflation, but they weren't good at all for Germany and France. But just finishing off on, you know, inflation in because in, obviously a, bit, a big chunk of this is the hope that inflation is going to ease now, that central banks, as you say, are not going to have to work, work as hard. And, you know, all eyes were on that employment cost index to see what wages were doing. They rose 1.2% quarter on quarter, which is down from 1.3% the previous quarter. But, you know, so it's improved. But the annual rate, uh, which has gone from 5.7% uh, down to 5.2%, 5.2% is still high, isn't it? If you're trying to get inflation down to 2%, you're not going to do that while people are seeing their wages going up by 5.2%. So there's a lot of work to be done there. Yes, I think that, that that is probably the takeaway uh, that is worth emphasizing, particularly ahead of the FOMC on, on Wednesday, mm. um, that we've seen, you know, the ECI decline a little bit um, and only just a little bit. So, um, you know, if you're clutching the straws, that's very positive. But as you say, it's not the decline is not strong enough to suggest, you know, the, the battle against inflation has been won. And similarly, the, the core PC, uh, at least on a year on year basis, actually rose as well. So. Um, it's just highlighting that there's still a lot of work to be done and the fact that the equity market or the consumer is still, you know, active and, and aggressive in terms of its consumption um, um, is probably going to keep the, the Fed, um, you know, worried and, and still on a hawkish message uh, on Wednesday. And so it's not just the US, which is arguably still, you know, facing high inflation. I mean, obviously, it is very much the case in Europe as well. And yet the DAX managed to climb on Friday, even though we saw Germans' headline rate 11.6% in October. The expectation was it was going to be 10.9%. So that is quite a bit higher. Italy, 9.5% inflation was expected. It came in at 11.9%. Uh, we get the full euro numbers later on today, which obviously, based on that, is going to be higher than expected. Uh, we saw a reaction on bond markets, but look, you know, the share markets just seem to ignore it. It did. And, and I think one, one of the things was that uh, the market was also bracing for a negative Q3 GDP print in Germany. And, and it just managed to actually scrape a positive print. So um, that, again, it's you know, kind of painting the picture that maybe uh, it's going to be a shallower recession coming in Europe and, and that Germany is going to be able to cope with this you know, energy crisis a little bit better than expected. Um, whilst at the same time, um, I suppose the big takeaway there in terms of the, the, the data coming from Europe 
is the realization, as you say, that um, you know inflation is actually rising, uh, and therefore the, the 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 task for the ECB is still very much a challenging one. And we've seen a big repricing, not only in terms of those bond yields that you referred to, but also in terms of expectations, what the ECB will do next next, uh, next month in December, as well as next year as well. So it's been a, a decent rebound in that regard. So if we look at the expectations of, um, of where the terminal rate will be by uh, the end of next year, uh, on the ECB on Thursday, it declined quite significantly to 228, and then it rebounded again to 278 on Friday following uh, those uh, inflation numbers. Yeah, as I said, everything's as choppy as hell, isn't it? So Klaus Knott from uh, the ECB was talking over the weekend. He said the next hike is going to be between 50 and 75. Of course, they did 75 uh, last week uh, on inflation. He said, we haven't even reached half time yet. They're going to play the second half in 2023 uh, and they're going to play it with smaller interest rate steps and by shrinking the ECB's balance sheet. But it's going to take 18 to 24 months. This is a a long game there, but that, that's going into extra time and a penalty shootout is what he's talking about, just to take his analogy to the full extent. <laughs> uh, it's going to take a long time. Yeah, just ahead of the World Cup. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I suppose the other thing, sorry, the, the, the other thing worth highlighting as well is that ECB Lagarde was speaking to an Irish program late on Friday, and she was quite adamant that uh, not only uh, for the central bank, inflation is a mission, a mantra, and a mandate, uh, insisting that you know they're they're very much committed to to bring inflation down. They will be aggressive in their approach. So um, we might see a bit, a bit of a repercussion, if you like, from those messages uh, coming over the weekend uh, in terms of the price action for rates and and pricing expectations for the ECB on Monday. So what about uh, we get the eurozone GDP today as well, don't we? We've already had it, as you say, for for, for Germany. So ECB's a survey of forecasters they've got the euro area stagnating early next year because uh, well the ECB says it's because inflation is eating into spending power it's not exactly rocket science is it uh, but what are we going to see with the numbers today well I suppose that the inflation number is the big one uh, that that will be the uh, reaffirmation if you like of, of what we got from the readings from Germany France and Italy um, and uh, any messaging coming from the ECB will be important too. We have uh, ECB Lane speaking today um, after the numbers, I believe. So, so that will be important because, um, you know, that reaction mm. and positivity in equity markets that we got last week is partly because everybody thinks, oh, the ECB won't go as hard as expected. And, and maybe they will, they will need to be a bit of a rowing back in terms of that messaging, uh, which will be important for, for market reaction. So, OK, we look at inflation. We're not too concerned about the Eurozone GDP. Well, no, because it's a little bit of sort of backward looking. It's Q3 for one, uh, mm. but the real challenge is, is Q4 and Q, Q1 next year. Uh, we know yeah. that uh, this is not just about inflation and policy tightening, but it's also about energy restriction. You know, there's all these plans to, to, to clamp down on the energy consumption during winter, and that is going to exacerbate, uh, you know, the downturn in economic activity. So I think that the, the worst is coming. Um, yeah. And uh, and at the moment, I suppose the that the other sort of positive vibes that we've seen uh, in in recent uh, days or weeks uh, in in Europe has been the decline in uh, energy prices, LNG in particular. Uh, there's kind of this this growing expectation that there's going to be a mild milder winter mm. in terms of the elongation of the polar vortex. Right. Um, yeah. And I'll tell you where to, it has been uh, very mild though, hasn't it? It is. The weather's been nice, but it does the elongation does does suggest that it may actually prove to be a much colder winter. So, um, so we might be getting sort of. Uh, 
sort of fake news, if you like, in terms of expectations that it's not going to be so bad. False hope. And it so just, just as we're expecting inflation might go away, but actually perhaps it won't. Perhaps it'll be worse than we thought. Maybe the same yes. thing's happening with the, with the weather. Well, and so I what if- there's still quite a bit of time before the end of the year. So uh, a lot can happen between now and then. And just on that inflation story, of course, in Europe, it's not going to be helped by the fact that Russia's pulled out of the deal to uh, allow the export of grain from Ukraine through the Black Sea. So that's not going to help with food supplies for, for Europe, actually, particularly, though, for those developing nations, which are very reliant on this, those poor developing nations that are also reliant on the, you know, the US dollar and, uh, you know, seeing the US dollar going up and food prices going, it's not a pretty picture for them. But that is going to add to f- a food inflation in Europe as well. So, you know, to your point, I mean, inflation, there's not any signs of it uh, easing in Europe anytime soon, is there? No. But for now, you know, the, the, when you look at sort of the performance of uh, core global bond yields, it's interesting that even though we had a rebound in terms of the move up in yields on Friday, it's still... We, we had decent declines over, over the week. Mm. Um, and um, we still, you know, you look at 10-year treasury yields at 4%. Uh, we kind of, you know, arguably around the middle of the recent ranges. So, so yeah. not, not, not an aggressive repricing, if you like, in terms of bond yields. And, and maybe it's something to, to keep an eye on in terms of the weeks to come. Right. Okay. Well, the week to come is a busy one. Very quickly, though, just a, a quick fire. Some things from le- left over from Friday. First of all, Japan. Uh, you know, the, the, obviously they think uh, inflation is going to fall by itself. Uh, no need to worry about it. Governor Garoda is pretty much saying that on Friday. Uh, I mean, they certainly don't have the wage pressures over there because I don't think it's it's the done thing, is it, to ask for a, a pay rise? Uh, so they, they continue to do very little. We, we saw quite a fall in the yen on Friday. Uh, on no news, you know, the, the, <laughs> it fell because the no news is actually seen as bad news, I think, from the Bank of Japan, isn't it? Yes. So not only there was no news, but they also released the, the new forecast in terms of you know growth and inflation. Uh, and even when you look at the numbers in 2023 and 2024 fiscal year, uh, inflation is seen around, you know, the middle of the one percent range. Um, so nowhere mm. near that two percent inflation target that uh, Governor Kuroda has been talking about. So it not only reinforces the idea that no imminent change to policy is coming, but in terms of their outlook, they don't see any change to the policy over the, the, the next couple of years. So it's really quite a strong message there coming from, from Japan. And, uh, you know, we were talking about the, the, the rise in equities in the United States. And, you know, clearly there's a bit more risk appetite, whether it's uh, rightly placed or not. That normally helps the Aussie dollar. You know, often the Aussie rises with the, uh, the S&P 500. Uh, but the other way around on Friday. So uh, why, why the caution locally? Yeah, it's a good question. The, the, it, you know, typically the Aussie and the Kiwi benefit from, from that significant improvements in risk appetite, as it was the case in terms of that performance from the equity market in the US on Friday. And the Aussie didn't actually enjoy much of that. Uh, um, Is China part of it? I, well, I was going to say that there are concerns around the sort of the outlook for China and, and the impact it's having on, on commodities. And when you look at the performance of commodities over the past week, iron ore has been uh, the big underperformer. Um, mm. Um, and, and again, it, it kind of plays a little bit in terms of what's going on in China, uh, whilst at the same time, there's also a bit of question marks around what's going on with RBA. Um, the RBA comes on uh, on Tuesday. Um, there, there's a bit of a debate, we think, uh, or it should be a debate within the RBA in terms of whether they will do 25 or 50, but certainly the perception that the RBA uh, is taking its foot off the pedal um, 
has been has been a factor weighing on the Aussie more so in in the past couple of weeks than than what has been the case previously. So that will be important in terms of the RBA messaging on Tuesday, um, as well as the you know the performance of the um, the economy in China, uh, where the COVID restrictions are still a major concern. Yeah. We had news now over the weekend that um, Shenzhen may be in, going into some severe lockdowns with uh, uh, one big Apple uh, provider uh, for the Apple phone. Um, coming under huge lockdown. So uh, those COVID sort of dynamics are not changing uh, enough uh, at the moment in China. Well, we get China's PMIs out later today as well. They were sort of all hanging around the 50 mark. So it's going to take some time for them to move away from that, isn't it? Locally, uh, retail sales. So are Aussies still going to be out shopping uh, a bit like they are in in the United States? What what are those numbers going to tell us today? Yeah, so the expectations are for for a decent uh, print. Uh, In fact, our economists expect a a slightly stronger print than uh, what the uh, consensus is of 0.5%. Uh, versus 0.4, so pretty decent sort of pace of spending. Um, I think the question mark is more like what will the numbers look like over coming months uh, as the, you know, mm. the delay effect of the policy tightening from the RBA, which we've got to remember has been the most aggressive one uh, in any cycle, uh, will start to bite, and, and particularly that will probably become more evident at the start of next year. And the numbers we get today are the absolute value, aren't they? They're not all, you know, they don't factor in how much higher things are price-wise. Yep. But I think we do by the end of the week on Friday, don't we? We get those numbers adjusted for inflation. So that gives us a better real measure of yes, spending. Yes, so that, that will be important. But again, it will give us a picture of what's happened, if you like, in the last quarter rather than more recently now in, 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 uh, in October. Okay, well, well, we've got a week of central banks, so it's going to be interesting, isn't it? It's going to be another volatile week, I suspect, uh, with a, a, a lot of data in the week ahead. So uh, stand by your beds. We're ready to cover it all on the morning call. Uh, good to catch up with you again, Rodrigo. It's been so long. It's been a couple of days now. Uh, we'll get you. We'll talk to yes. you again soon. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks, Phil. And that's it. That's the morning call for this Monday morning. Try not to scare too many children when they come knocking on your door tonight, because it is, of course, Halloween night tonight. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Can't Coming things down tomorrow morning for another edition of the Morning Call. I'll see you then. Have a great day.